0: 1 through 13, again, by section by section, as I kind of make some of the points in my message today. Um, it is so good to be with you. Did you have a good holiday season? Yeah, I hope you did. Um, good New Year's. Yeah, did you stay up till midnight? Nope, I didn't either. Okay, didn't quite make it, so but some of you did. Good for you. I just wanted to say, as I forgot to say at the Christmas Eve service, a great big fat thank you for all of the gifts and the cards and the prayers and the gift cards. Oh my goodness, I have been inundated with gift cards this year from you guys. I am going to put on a hundred pounds by the end of this year, eating out at restaurants, but it, it, it all looks good, and I'll use them all up in time, and so thank you very much. I tried to use one the other day, and it was already expired, so I don't know who gave me the expired card, but uh, uh, I didn't keep track, but I'll be trying to go back and try to figure that one out. No, but it was so good, and uh, so did you have a good year in 2021? Was it, was it a good year for you? You know, probably a mixed bag, right? Uh, the years always are. You know, there were some maybe some good things that happened, and uh, perhaps there were some things that weren't so good. Maybe some bad things even that happened uh, in 2021. Uh, as a culture, we're still wrestling with COVID. We're still facing a lot of divisions in our culture and our nation. The world it sometimes seems to be in chaos. And so, how many of you are just kind of happy to say goodbye to 2021, yeah? Just like, let's move forward now into a new year, and let's claim God's blessings anew for 22. And uh, today, I've entitled my message, Starting Anew in 22, because I don't know about you, but I long for a fresh start. And what I find is that at the beginning of a new year, God gives us a golden opportunity to kind of begin again to start afresh to establish new patterns new behaviors i don't know if you're into making resolutions or not or if you've made any uh as a friend of our church once said he, he said hey i've started the 30-day diet and uh i'm good to know i'm already lost nine days so <laughs> you know so you know these things happen resolutions sort of come and go but you know, I think putting off, making a resolution to put off some bad behaviors and pick up some better ones would probably be a good idea for all of us. And maybe it's in your um, in your finances. Maybe it's about creating a budget. Maybe it's in your job or your work or your studies if you're a student. Uh, Maybe it's about your spiritual walk with God. Maybe there are just some things in your life that you realize need to change or need purging or some things that have been going on this way forever and ever and ever. And it's like, okay, this is the year. I'm finally going to make those changes. And uh, so, you know, when we make New Year's resolutions, um, how many of you have made some resolutions? Um, in the past, maybe this year or in the past. How many of you uh, have kind of failed at those resolutions? I know I have. Uh, You know, we don't always keep them. And part of the reason, I think, is because we often, when we think of New Year's resolutions, we think of our own willpower, you know, trying to keep them in our own strength. And inevitably, our strength is weak, you know. I can say I'm not going to eat a bowl of ice cream at 9 o'clock at night before I go to bed. And as soon as I say that, I want that bowl of ice cream, you know. Cookies and cream, you know, or, or Mackinac fudge, or, you know, all of those good things, and I just got to have it. So um, I fail because I cave and I give in. And, um, but here's the thing with God, all things are possible. And how many of you know that our God is in the business of renewing hearts and lives and even churches? Amen that with God all things are possible, that with God and His strength we can do it, we can establish some new and healthy patterns as we we claim the power of the Spirit in us. And so that's my prayer for you, for all of us, for the church as a whole, as we move into 22, that, that God would help us to start anew. And so today, God has laid on my heart a message that he gave me in Michigan as I began to think and kind of pull away from the, the weekly, daily grind of my work here uh, and, and have some freedom to think and pray and, and just uh, kind of let God speak. And, and God has been speaking to me about a, a new sermon series from the Gospel of Mark and so we're going to we'll hear more about that in a little bit, but we're going to go systematically through the Gospel of Mark. And today we're going to begin with chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. And I want to share with you today three kind of tasks or challenges for starting anew in 22. So let's, uh, let's begin with prayer. Father, we love you, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for this fresh new beginning to the year. It is filled with possibilities, with hopes and and promise, and Lord, we would just ask that your spirit will come now and uh, soften our hearts, open our minds. Lord, help us to receive the word that you have for us today. And so would you anoint this message and anoint the messenger and anoint us all as we listen and hear what it is that the Spirit is saying to us, even to Grace Church today. Come, Holy Spirit, come, we pray it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. So three tasks to starting anew this new year. And the first one is simply this. You might want to write these down on the outline. Remembering your baptism again. Just say it with me. Remembering your baptism again. And we're going to look at the first eight verses of Mark chapter one. Please follow along. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region. Let me just pause right there. Maybe you are in a desert right now. Maybe you're going through a kind of a dry spell in your life or in your, in your walk with God. Maybe your faith is feeling kind of routine or dead. Maybe you are in that desert even this morning. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him. You bet they did. Remember? There had been a 400 year drought of prophecy. John was sort of the first prophet on the scene after the Old Testament prophets, and people wanted to go hear him and see is this, is this for real? Is he legit? Is, is God speaking through this, this strange man? Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore a clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He wouldn't exactly appear in a J.C. Penney catalog in the men's clothing section, exactly, modeling it. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We'll pause right there. How many of you were baptized? How many of you? Show of hands. How many of you were baptized? Probably everybody here, most everybody here has been baptized. Do you remember your baptism? Maybe you were baptized as an infant or as a child, and unless the water was really, really cold, you probably don't remember it. Maybe others of you were baptized later in life or as an adult when you came to faith, and, uh, and maybe you do remember your baptism. The Bible is clear that we should be baptized. Jesus himself said, "'Go and make disciples of all nations or all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.'" Friends, it doesn't matter what method of baptism, whether it's sprinkling or or pouring of water or immersion, submersion, it's not the amount of water that matters, it's the fact of the water and what it symbolizes. In the Reformed Church, we love to speak of the sacraments as a kind of visible sign or representation of an invisible reality, that which is happening in your heart. We know, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, that it is by grace we are saved through faith. Baptism doesn't save you. Let's get real clear on that. If baptism could save you and getting people wet in the name of Jesus, we'd just go down to the masses of people wherever they are and spray them with a garden hose and baptize you. In the name. No, that baptism doesn't save you. It is the grace of God that saves you. Baptism is that outward symbol, that outward sign of what Jesus has done in your heart. It is a way of declaring yes to Jesus. I believe and I belong to him. I love what our RCA liturgy says. Baptism is the sign and seal of God's promises to this covenant people. In baptism, God promises by grace alone, there are four things. You might want to jot these down. Number one, to forgive our sins. Number two, to adopt us into the body of Christ, that is the church. Number three, to send the Holy Spirit daily to renew and cleanse us. And number four, to resurrect us to eternal life. And that was very quick. Let's go through those. Number one, to forgive our sins. To forgive our sins. What does water do? What do we we use water for? Did you take a shower this morning, anybody? Okay. You know, hopefully, uh, maybe you washed up or you took a shower recently. But water cleanses, right? It washes us clean of dirt. And so, too, the water of baptism symbolizes the fact that you have been washed from your sins. They're all gone through Jesus Christ. No matter what has happened in 2021. No matter what bad habits you may have wrestled with or struggled with or sins or things that you've fallen into or addictions, friends, they're all wiped away. Through the water of your baptism and the blood of Jesus Christ, you are now forgiven and free in Jesus Christ. Amen? Your baptism symbolizes that. Remember the fact that you are a new creation, a new creature in Jesus Christ. And this is what we do when we kind of sprinkle the water on. It helps wa- remember us. The wash reminds us of washing away of our sins. Uh, it adopts us, we are adopted into the body of Christ. Number two, and that is to say that baptism is really the entry point into the faith community. Many churches, you may have noticed, some will have the baptismal font at the, at the beginning at the entry to the sanctuary or at the entry of their church, even in the narthex, in the lobby in the back. It is a symbolism of the fact that we enter Jesus Christ, we enter the faith community through our baptism. Again, it doesn't save you, but it is a sign and seal of the fact that you belong to Christ and we hold that true not only for adult believers but for the children of believers for what baptism or excuse me what circumcision was in the old testament for the children of jewish believers baptism is in the new testament for the children of believers. Here's what Colossians chapter 2 says, verses 11 and 12. In Christ you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. It is a great promise to know that the children of believers are also included into this covenantal family, this covenant of God. Uh, Peter says in Acts 2, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. Say it with me. For you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. It is a great and rich promise of Scripture when we are baptized that we become a part of the family of faith. We're included. We get the prayers of God's people. We get the blessings and benefits of belonging to Jesus Christ. Prayer or baptism symbolizes the forgiveness of sins. It symbolizes the adoption into the body of Christ. Third, it symbolizes the Holy Spirit being poured out. You know, sometimes we see... uh, Pastors, preachers, they'll pour a pitcher of water like kind of on the back of somebody's head. And that symbolizes to us the pouring out of the living water of the Holy Spirit. It's a reflection of the fact that through your baptism, the Holy Spirit is poured out into your life, into your heart. You are never, ever alone again because the Holy Spirit lives in you and is always with you. That's another symbol of baptism, and the fourth one is to resurrect us to eternal life. Now, uh, I was not uh, immersed baptism. I I, I did not do. We don't do that really in the Reformed Church. It's it's really just. It's not that we don't believe in it. It's just a matter of practicality. We don't we don't have a dunk tank up here, you know, uh, and we don't usually go down to the river or the water. Some some churches do, and that's fine. But I love the the imagery of immersion baptism. Because what happens? You're going underneath the water and you are being raised again. Symbolic of the fact that you are dying with Christ and you are resurrected again. That's what baptism means. The fact that you have a new life, you are resurrected to eternal life with Jesus Christ. Remembering your baptism again means knowing that you, too, are forgiven, that you, too, have received the Holy Spirit, that you, too, belong to Jesus. You are a member of His family, His church, and you, too, have died and been raised again in Christ. This is your new identity in Jesus Christ. Now, be who you are. Live it out. Claim it by faith and act as the child of God that you are. This is your new identity. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Well, guess what? 2021 is gone and 2022, the new is here and it is time for us to remember our baptism and to live into our new identity more fully than ever before. Amen? The second task of starting the new in 22 is receiving Jesus Christ again, or anew, excuse me, receiving Jesus Christ anew. Verses 9 through 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn up open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And just a little footnote to this passage, something that I find very interesting that I can't resist sharing with you. God the Father is speaking to his son, Jesus. And he says, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. That says something. Mind you, Jesus, His ministry had not yet begun. He hadn't preached one sermon. He hadn't done one miracle. He hadn't healed even one person from disease. He hadn't cast out even one demon. He hadn't done anything. And yet God says, I love you. Not because of what you've done or not because of what you haven't done, but because you are my son. Jesus says, I love you. And through Jesus Christ and the virtue of his spirit living in us, God the Father is saying the same to you today. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child. And I love you simply because you are mine, because of our relationship. But the point of this passage is more to say that at this time, God the Father is putting his stamp of approval on his son, Jesus. We just got done studying throughout the season of Advent and Christmas. We know that Isaiah was prophesying about a child that would be given, a son that would be born, and we wondered who he was, and was Jesus really the man or not, and Jesus God the Father is now declaring very clearly, this is my son. Jesus is the man. He is the son that was given, not Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, not the Brahmins of Hinduism, not uh, Muhammad of Islam, uh, not Joseph Smith of the Mormons, not Donald Trump, not Joe Biden, nobody else. For Peter says there is no other name given among men by which you must be saved other than Jesus Christ. God is saying, it's Jesus. He's the one. This is the only time, mind you, in all of Scripture that all three members of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, are all together at one time. They have all converged at the baptism of Jesus. That should tell us something. This is an important event. God is saying, this is Jesus, and He is my Son. The question is, what do we do with Him? What do we do with this Jesus? The Bible tells us that not everybody receives him. John wrote in John chapter 1 that he came to that which was his own, but his own, they didn't recognize him. They didn't receive him. And sadly today, there are so many that just don't really know who Jesus is. They don't receive him for who he is. You know, this question has been asked down through the centuries, throughout the ages. Who was Jesus? Was He really the Messiah? Was He the Son of God? Was He God Himself? And people have come up with all kinds of various answers. Some have said, no, Jesus, He's just a lunatic. He's nuts. This was a madman running through the earth, and he just, it was crazy. The things that He said, it was nuts. Other people said, no, he was kind of like a legend, you know, kind of like John Wayne. I mean, you know, Jesus was this religious guru. He was a good teacher. He was a legend, but he really wasn't God. Some people will say that. Other people say he was just a flat-out liar. You know, he claimed to be God. He was just a man. Was he born like anybody else? There's no big deal about the Jesus. Was he a lunatic? Was he he a a liar? Was he a legend? Or was he really Lord? Was he really Lord, who he said he was? You see, the good news about receiving Jesus is that he wants to come in and he wants to change your life. He wants to help you break with the old patterns and and to begin something new. He's more committed to your transformation and your newness and renewing and the revival of Grace Church than, than you are, than we are. I don't care if it's the first time or the 100th time, may today be a day of recommitment or of commitment, of rededication and dedication to our Lord Jesus Christ anew. Because you see here at Grace Church, it's all about Jesus, is it not? We can't do anything on our own strength. Apart from Him, nothing is possible. And with Him, all things are possible. And so before the sun goes down today, I want to challenge you, find a little time alone and just fall on your knees in prayer and say, Lord, come, come into my heart anew and afresh as I begin this new year, Lord, I don't dare to to do it without you. I need you. We need you. Lord Jesus, would you come and, and refresh me and renew me? I know that it feels rather routine, ho-hum. We've been through the New Year scenario. How many years, you know, and how many years together? And it seems like, oh, nothing really ever changes, nothing new. But friends, it can change, and it will change with Jesus. And some of you may be in the desert right now. But be assured that there is a voice of one in the desert who calls to you. And he says, remember your baptism. He says, receive Jesus Christ. And thirdly, the third task, the challenge to starting anew in 22 is simply this, resisting the enemy's attacks. Say it with me, resisting the enemy's attacks. In verses 12 and 13, at once the Spirit sent him, that is Jesus, out into the desert And he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. You know, I would be thrilled as your pastor if you kind of made a new commitment today or this week and this new year to to follow Jesus You know, maybe it's digging into your Bible or being more faithful in prayer. Maybe it's getting involved in a small group or being faithful on Sundays to worship. Never miss a Sunday. Maybe it's uh, doing, uh, you know, just walking with God more. I would love it if you made that type of commitment today. Uh, your church family would love it, to, too. And, and maybe you would have some family members that would rejoice with you and, and possibly some friends, if they're believers, they would cheer you on. And, and we would all be so happy. But you know who would not be happy? Satan, the enemy. Friends, we sometimes we kind of poo-poo Satan. We don't want to name the name. We don't want to mention him. But he is very real. And the Bible talks about the kind of spiritual warfare that we are going to engage in, that we are going to fight, because the moment you become a Christian, you get a great big target on your back, like it or not. And even today, hearing this message, some of you will, will kind of poo-poo it, and you'll say, oh, that was just simple stuff, and I've heard that all before. And, and like the parable of the sower, when this man sowed the seed, the Word of God, it, it fell on some, some, some thorny soil, and it fell on some rocky soil, it, and the birds came along, and like the enemy, they picked up that seed, and it didn't even have a chance to sprout. Even now, right now, the, the enemy may be doing battle in your mind, in your heart. See, because whenever we take a significant step forward spiritually, when you want to move forward in your faith, right after the baptism of Jesus, guess what happens? The enemy's right there. You take two steps forward, he wants to pull you back. You know what the enemy's purpose is? To distract you, to destroy you, to dissuade you, to do anything he can to pull you away from God. That's what the enemy wants to do. And we've had... uh, dramas that have helped depict this in very kind of real visible ways because we realize here at Grace Church that spiritual warfare is real and when you finally get sick and tired of being sick and tired and you rise up against him that's when you become a threat to the enemy In the meantime, he can kind of lull us to sleep. As long as you're living a kind of status quo, spirituality, you're never expecting for anything new. You're never praying for anything great to happen in your life. As long as you're there, you know, the enemy doesn't have to worry about you because you're harmless. You see, but Jesus didn't die on the cross to give you a comfortable life. He died to make you dangerous in the spiritual realm. He died to make you a powerful force for good in a world of evil. He died that you could be light in the darkness. And believe you me, there's a lot of darkness around us today. The enemy will throw up every obstacle, every excuse, every distraction, everything he can think of to stop your progress He is threatened by your personal spiritual growth. And so just when something good happens, you get a spiritual breakthrough, you take a step forward in your faith, guess who's right there to pull you back, knock you down, distract you, depress you, discourage you? The enemy. And the point is we need to rise up and take our stand. Ephesians 6 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Jesus says time and time again, stand firm, beware, watch, and pray. So how do we defeat and resist Satan, the enemy's attacks? By standing in Jesus. Who defeated Satan? Jesus. In this passage, you know, Mark doesn't elaborate on these temptations in the desert. But other gospel writers do. And we know from the other gospel writers that Jesus defeated Satan on every one of these uh, temptations. And he did it with Scripture, by the way. Do you know your Bible? Jesus did. And he used it, the truth of Scripture, to combat the lies of the enemy. And so, even as our own weakness and willpower falls short, we stand in the strength of Jesus. And we stand strong and victorious. And when you feel that temptation pulling you, that's the trigger to say, oh, I feel it tugging on my flesh. But that's, that's the old man in me. No, I have been raised with Christ. Jesus lives in me. Jesus doesn't have a problem with this temptation. And so, devil, I renounce you in the name of Jesus. Be gone. You have no place in me. You have no place in our church. I am Jesus' child. And I stand strong in his strength. So the Lord Jesus, come, fill me with your power, the power to stand strong and resist, because you conquered the enemy, so will I. 1 John chapter chapter 4, verse 4 says, You, dear children, are from God. You have overcome them, that is the enemy and his demons, because the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? That is the one Jesus and his spirit is greater in you than the enemy and all of his demons out in the world. It's you against a legion of demons, and you have won. You win in Jesus Christ. We just sang that song, Greater. The truth is we live in a dark, discouraging, depressing time. Uh, Satan must be having a heyday in today's world, messing everything up. COVID, politics, racial divisions, immorality, chaos. But we don't have to fall for it. We don't have to give in. By the virtue of Jesus in you, you too can resist the enemy's attacks. And these are the three steps, the three challenges that I give to you today that God has laid on my heart to share with Grace Church as we move forward, as we start anew in 22. May we remember our baptism, the fact that you are a new creation, a new creature in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Your sins are washed away, thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. Don't bring them up anymore. God has forgotten them. Remembering your baptism. Number two, receiving Jesus Christ anew. Lord, I need you today. Come, fill us. Fill grace, church. Bring your spirit. Breathe into us new life and revival. Into my heart. And resist the enemy's attacks by the power of Jesus in you. Maybe today, just maybe you are in a kind of desert. Maybe you are in a kind of a dry spell spiritually. Maybe you're feeling bored in routine in your faith, or even with the church, but in the midst of the desert, there is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, repent and be baptized, turn to Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. And when we do, we resist the enemy's attacks and we, by the grace of God, can move forward. Amen? And you will in your desert today. In the midst of the desert, Jesus was baptized. There in the midst of this desert was a river, the Jordan River, an oasis. You have an oasis in God, in Jesus, to get you through. A source, a never-ending source of abundant living water. And it was in the wilderness that Jesus was tempted. That the enemy was working on him. And maybe in your wilderness, you feel the pull and the tug of the enemy pulling you away from God. And usually it's not one big giant thing, but usually it's little, little incremental steps. And by the end of that time, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm really far from God. And maybe you have wandered from God. Maybe you have strayed from God. Maybe you are running from God. Maybe you're like a prodigal, son and you have have just taken off on your own and kind of forgotten about god may 2022 be the year that we return that we begin together anew let's pray father we just come before you we just acknowledge lord that we need you that on our own we are insufficient incapable weak and so, Lord, as we begin this new year, we want it to be a good one. We want it to be a year where we grow deeper in You. That we may we love You more than ever before. May we love the lost more than ever before. May we love each other more than ever before. We pray for revival and renewal in our hearts, in our lives, and in our church. So help us to remember who we are in Jesus, and to be who we are. To celebrate His grace, His goodness the waters of our baptism. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you come? Come today. May we hear the words, this is my son, this is my daughter whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And may we know that we are in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray it.